Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. We have it on the screen. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. And what's his name, saints? Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is giving us an exhortation to consider Jesus. Got a pen? Got a pad? Got your heart? This word consider is used by astronauts who study the stars. The word consider literally means to gaze. You might want to write that down. It means to gaze. It means to take a hard look at, a hard, long, deep look at something. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that we began to take a hard, deep look at Jesus as we began our introduction to the Gospel of Luke. Just real quick, let me give you a thumbnail sketch of some of the things that we discussed the last time that we were together in Luke as we talked about the person of Luke. Who is he? Well, we learned the last time that Luke was a physician, he was a doctor, who probably was a slave to a man named, anybody know? Theophilus. Very good. Theophilus, his name means God lover. And Luke is the writer of one other New Testament book. Anybody know? Anybody know? Acts. Very good. He's the writer of the book of Acts. Luke is also the only Gentile author in the New Testament. He was a close friend to Paul we talked about, probably standing there when Paul was beheaded. Luke had an incredible life, and he remained unmarried, and he died at the age of 84. The Gospel of Luke, as we talked about, is the longest single book in the New Testament. And if you put together the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts together, you will see that that makes up about 28% of the New Testament. The last time we gathered together, I gave you the key verse to the entire Gospel of Luke. The key verse is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I have that for you on the screen as well. As a matter of fact, will you read it with me? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a great verse, saints. Listen, it's a good memory verse. The Son of Man, Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know about you, but I was lost January 22nd, 1982. Pastor Rodney was lost. January 23rd, 1982, Jesus found me. I didn't find him. Don't get it twisted. 
You know, some people say, oh, I'm glad you found God. You guys know what I like to tell you. You didn't find God because he wasn't lost. Amen. Amen. And you weren't looking for him. Amen. Amen. He found me and he saved me. Can I get a witness? Anybody else? Okay, good. He saved me. He came to seek and to save those which were lost. So the gospel of Luke is a great memory verse because the gospel of Luke is not only for the Jew. It's not only for the Gentiles. It's not only for Samaritans. It's not for poor people. It's not for rich people. It's not for respectable people or despised people or only for tax collectors or only for religious people. This gospel is not only for black people and it's not only for white people. This gospel is for all people. Are you glad about it? It's for all people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we also talked about the last time we were together, as some people want to know, inquiry minds want to know. Why are there four Gospels? Why four Gospels? Well, each of the Gospels, as we pointed out, give us a different portrait or give us a different picture or a snapshot of Jesus. Remember, I told you the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the synoptic Gospels because they are similar, because they are like each other. So each of the Gospels gives us a different picture or a different portrait of Jesus. Matthew writes... And gives us the picture or the portrait to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy. That Jesus is the promised Messiah. I like to say that Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. And then Mark, he writes and gives us the picture or the portrait of Jesus to show us that Jesus is the servant of man. And he's a servant of God. Mark is a very quick. You'll notice in the gospel of Mark, as you read it, you'll notice the word immediately and straightway. You'll see that over and over immediately and straightway because the gospel moves quickly as Mark is writing to a Gentile audience throughout Rome. And then Luke writes to show us that Jesus is the perfect God man. Luke is writing to show that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. Are you listening? He's 100% man and 100% God, the son of man who came to live among sinners to love them and to help them and to die for them. And then finally, John writes to show the deity of Christ. The word deity simply means Godhood or God, the deity of of Jesus Christ. John's gospel focuses on the deity of Christ and he makes clear that Jesus is the son of God. Well, the last time we were together, saints, we left off in verse four. Today we'll pick up in verse five. We'll read all the way through verse 25 and then we'll come back and kind of pick up and have some comments in the remainder of our time. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. There was, in verse 5, in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named, who saints? Zacharias. And he was of the division or of the order of Abijah. His wife 
was of the daughters of Aaron. And what was her name? Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, get this, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Are you getting me? And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name who saints? John. And you will have joy and you will have gladness and many people will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Doesn't that sound like a Nazarite vow to you? He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old and my wife is no spring chicken. I'm sorry. Is that not, that's not in your Bible. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Oh, my wife is well advanced in years. That's what it says. And the angel answered and said to him in verse 19, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was. As soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth, she conceived and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Why don't you jump back up to verse 5, if you will. Notice there was in the days of Herod, these first events, get this, happened in a certain time. What time was that? It was in the days of Herod. Now, we've talked about this. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know 
we have talked about this, that Herod, give me your attention, was also known as Herod the Great. The reason he was known as Herod the Great is not because of his great stature, like he was some atlas or something. As a matter of fact, is Josephus, a Jewish historian, who tells us that uh, Herod was about four feet, four inches tall. Whenever I think of Herod, I think of Danny DeVito. Every single time, bar none. I think of Danny DeVito, I don't know why. So the reason he's known as Herod the Great is not because of his great stature, but because of the great buildings and the great palaces and the great fortresses that he would build. As a matter of fact, Herod built this massive fortress 450 feet above sea level known as Masada. Have you ever heard of it? And when we take our trips to Israel, we always stop at Masada. And uh, Masada actually is a Jewish, uh, uh, is an outpost for Jewish zealots during the Jewish revolts. So he was known as Herod the Great because he built aqueducts and he remodeled the temple in Jerusalem. And he was known for his great buildings, but he was also known as Herod the Great because he was greatly vicious. He was also greatly cruel. As a matter of fact, one night, true story, he got mad at his wife and he murdered her and his mother-in-law disagreed, which I think that's just kind of funny. And you murdered my daughter. I disagree with that. It's like, okay. So the mother-in-law disagreed and he had her murdered and then he's so ruthless His two sons disagreed with that, and he had them murdered as well. Herod was so cruel that Caesar Augustus made this comment. He said that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. Well, the Bible says that it was in the days of Herod. Are you listening? It was in the days of Herod that there was a certain priest, and his name was who? Zacharias. You taking notes? You write this down. The name Zacharias means God remembers. God remembers. Zacharias was of the division or the order of Abijah and in the line of David. Zacharias had a wife and her name was Elizabeth, who was Jewish. And her name means, write this down, his oath. Elizabeth means his oath oath, and she was also in the line of David. Now, when you put these names together, are y'all listening? This is very important. When you put these names together of this lovely couple, Zacharias, God remembers Elizabeth, his oath. What do we have? God remembers his oath. Now, you also want to keep in mind that this is the first time that God has spoken in 400, count them, 400 years. Remember in Malachi, after Malachi, God had nothing to say to man for 400 years. And when he finally does speak, God says, listen, I haven't talked to you in 400 years, but don't be fooled. I remember my oath. Huh. 
God remembers his oath. So both of, the, both of these guys, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were both righteous before the Lord, the Bible tells us, walking in the commandments of the Lord. So John the Baptist's mother was Jewish, and she didn't know that he was going to be a Baptist. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know where that came from, Dave. It keeps coming too, man. It, each time, it just happens every time I So Zacharias and Elizabeth, the Bible tells us, notice they were both very old and without children. Now, I need you to listen close right here. Listen, at this time, there were probably, are you listening? At this time, there was probably about 20 to 22,000 priests in line whose duties it was to go into the holy place and to burn incense for two years. So you could go a whole lifetime and never be called. But Zechariah, his turn, his turn came up and he was pretty excited as it was a privilege to go in and serve in the temple. Interesting. What Zechariah didn't know is that it was all a setup. It was all a setup. Zechariah is inside doing his priestly duties and the people are outside praying. And out of the blue, an angel shows up. And an angel shows up and he says, don't be afraid. Now, we know from verse 19 that the name of the angel is Gabriel. Gabriel shows up and says, don't be afraid. Search the scriptures over and over. Search your Bibles over and over. Whenever an angel shows up and talks to people, the first words out of of his mouth is don't be afraid. Why? (laughs) Do I need to tell you why? (laughs) If you're in your kitchen cooking some chicken <laughs> and the angel shows up and goes, hey there, big fella. You go, whoa, 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 man, what's up? Hey, 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 hey. You take the knife, you like, you like. <laughs> I mean, so an angel shows up in the Bible over and over. They say, don't be afraid. Why? Because if an angel shows up, you're going to be afraid. So he says to Zachariah, he says, listen. Don't be afraid because God has heard your wife's prayer and she's going to have a son and his name is going to be John. Got a pen? Write this down. John means favor of Jehovah. Favor of Jehovah. The angel says, Zach, John is going to be great in the sight of the Lord and you will have joy and you will have gladness. And many will rejoice and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and turn the nation back to God. Saints, I want you to fast forward to verse 18. Notice Zachariah says, how shall I know this? How shall I know this? Now, I got to wonder if Zachariah has had bad experiences with angels before. I mean, you would think if an angel is the one telling you this is what's going to happen, wouldn't you think he would just believe that? Zechariah says, how do I know what you're saying is right? And Zechariah is saying, listen, angel guy, I'm old, my wife is old, and I ain't got time for games. Gabriel says, what do you mean? How shall you know? I'm the one, verse 19, the only Gabriel, and God sent me to tell you this. And because you asked me this question, did you get this? 
because you asked me this question, I am going to make you mute and you are not going to speak until you have a son because you didn't believe me. In other words, Gabriel said, I'm going to give you nine months to think about it. And the next time, don't ask me some crazy question. That's Rodney 1-1. Notice the angel told Zacharias that they were going to have a baby. And probably, they probably had lost all hope. I mean, they're old. And they probably lost all hope and had given up on the dream. But that they were going to have a baby. And they were going to name this baby John. Now, hear me. I'm going to take this opportunity to wax political, something that I never do, because I believe that the pulpit should be a platform for preaching and proclaiming the gospel and not for politics. Anybody agree? Can you clap your hands if you agree? I believe that, and you know I believe that. But we do need to point this out. The angel told John, pardon me, Zacharias, that Elizabeth was going to bear a son before she even conceived in her womb. Are you with me so far? Before she conceived in her womb. We know the Bible tells us, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. For you have formed me in the inward parts, David says, and you covered me in my mother's womb. David says, God, you had the blueprint of my body before it ever came into existence. In other words, God is concerned with conception, development, birth, and the life of every single human being. Did you hear me? And I believe, despite what others are saying, I believe that life occurs at the moment of conception. Not when, you know, some people say, well, life doesn't happen until they take their first breath. I don't agree with that. I don't even think if science is honest and true that they can even honestly agree with that. Elizabeth conceived a child, it was a baby, and and even named by God prior to coming into the world. The child's name will be John. Life begins the moment of conception, and God is concerned with conception. So he's going, John is going to turn many of the children of Israel to their God. And his mission is to go before Jesus. And he's going to go forward in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Because Elijah was a man who called the people to repentance. And the anointing on John's life was to prepare the people. Are you listening? Was to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Which, by the way, any anointing on your life is to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. Don't you know that's your purpose? Christians, wake up. Don't you know that's your purpose? That's why God, I believe that is why God is allowing us to remain on this earth. 
that we would fulfill our purpose. And our purpose is not to be concerned with the affairs of this world. Our purpose is not to be concerned with who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the White House. I care who's in the kingdom. (laughs) I don't care who's in the White House. All up in arms, who's going to get in the White House? And all this consternation about what's going on in the White House. Even Christians, we've lost perspective. We have lost our focus, our purpose. The anointing on our life is to prepare the way for Jesus. We need to be telling as many people as we possibly can, the coming of the Lord is near. I'm not saying be some weirdo wacko wearing a placard, standing on the corner, talking about the return of the Lord. That's going to turn people away. You're going to be a weirdo and they're going to take you to Dorothea Dix. I'm going to have to come and preach the gospel to you and try to bail you out. It's going to be a mess. But I'm saying that our purpose is to share the gospel, is to prepare the way of the Lord. The anointing on your life is not to tear down the body of Christ. The anointing on your life is not to divide into little groups in the body. The anointing on your life, are you listening, is not to show how smart you are and inept everyone else is in their theology. Jesus said, God has anointed me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted. God says, John's anointing is to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.